0: Here we go. Take it away, Gene Parsons.
1: Hi, welcome to the Trail Stewards Radio Hour for March 2022. I'm Paul Schulman, And I'm Chad Swimmer. And we've got a big show for you today. We do. We're going to have a report from yesterday's rally in Ukiah. And we're also going to be speaking with Tribal Chairman Michael Hunter and the Mendocino County Youth for Climate, and we're going to be talking with them about another rally coming up in Sacramento on Friday, March 25th.
0: This is a big one.
1: Yeah, and then we'll also be talking to Jackson Advisory Group members, Chris Blanco and Charlie Snyder about their experience that they had uh, on the POMO gathering up in Jackson recently, and uh, we're also going to... Find out more about the next upcoming JAG meeting. Then we'll be talking with Bill Heil, Linda Perkins, and Nick Parrish about a recently approved 900-acre THP in the Russell Brook Upper Big River watershed area on MRC land. And before we go
0: to that, we're actually going to hear from Paul, Paul Schulman about how it is to experience the forest with limited sight. Now let's go back to hear from Gene Parsons on the Banjo, Camp 1 at the Woodlands. We're going to start today's show on a little bit of a different note. We're going to talk to Paul Schulman, who has been my good friend for over 20 years and has also been a KZYX DJ in many capacities. Let's let Paul speak for himself. We are walking on a trail here in Casper. And I wanted to ask you a couple of questions because most people don't know this
1: about you that you are legally blind. What does that mean? Well, in my case, um, I've been sight impaired for, well, I was diagnosed in 91, 1991, with a condition called retinitis pigmentosa, which is a degeneration of the rods on your retina. You know how you have rods and cones, and the rods are the receptors that, uh, in simple terms, uh, they... They are the receptors for um, peripheral vision and, and night vision. And so that's when I, I started losing my ability to drive at night. And pretty soon I couldn't see well enough to drive at all. I haven't driven since 1998, actually. Mm-hmm. But, you know, walking in the woods is pretty good as long as the trail is smooth. And now I've <clears throat> been down to the lighthouse which is a facility in San Francisco that trains uh, sight-impaired people how to use uh, things like canes and dogs and all that. And so uh, I got this cane. It's very lightweight, and it's got a big ball on the end so it doesn't get hung up on things. I asked them, I said, you know, I live, I hardly live near any pavement, so I need, I need a tip that'll work off-road. And sure enough, they had one. So, right. so you're walking behind me right now yeah what can you see um i can see you know basically like a spotlight circle that includes your feet and the tip of my cane and uh and just you know maybe two maybe a two foot diameter spotlight on the trail something like that it's not like there's a hard, hard edge because just like we all have a point where we don't see on our periphery anymore but It's not like we're looking through a tube, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And anyway, the thing that's amazing is, as you can imagine, as one sense way of understanding the world starts to diminish, then the other senses step up and take a greater role in, in letting me know what's going on. So my hearing has gotten more acute and, and, you know, with just the feel of things, you know, I can, I can feel very small things under my feet.
0: So if we were to stop right now, yeah, stop and, and just experience, how do you experience the forest?
1: Right now I'm experiencing it just to, as a really quiet space. Um... You know, almost like you would if you had closed your eyes, but I can see a little bit of it. You know, I can if I'm standing still, I can look around and, and eventually see everything that you could see. But, I've, you know, I'm, I'm having to... It would be like as if it was nighttime and you had a flashlight and you were just having to put your, your story together with all the pieces that the beam showed to you, mm-hmm. right? It, is your sense of smell different than it used to be? It's good. I mean, uh I've always had a good sense of smell and I think I'm more aware of it now. You know, luckily I was born with a a good nose that's not just for looks, you know, very <laughs> functional.
0: <laughs> Do you feel that it, any other senses, maybe ones that don't have names, have developed?
1: Probably. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I'm I'm quite amazed at the resilience of the of the human uh uh you know of us humans i'm just really amazed at how adaptive we are you know mm-hmm. if we just give ourselves the chance to <clears throat> open up to other pathways there's there's a lot of other ways to understand the world and get around mm mm-hmm. whenever i'm in a pine forest and it's
0: warm i'm just struck by how rich it smells mm-hmm. to me it smells like the best pastry ever and The redwood forest being colder doesn't seem to be as aromatic, but what do you smell right now?
1: Just really fresh air is what I'm smelling. The air feels very fresh. It has a little bit of moisture in it. I like it. And right now we're getting circled by an early bumblebee. Yeah. I'm very lucky because I live just... uh, short walk from jackson state forest from my house so i don't i don't have to get in a car to come here so it's great for me well thanks for sharing with us yeah i think it's good for people who are listening to
0: our show to to know a little bit more about the both of us okay okay i'll have to interview
1: you sometime you already did did i yeah thanks paul
0: Paul Schulman on Congos with Kevin and the Coconuts. You are listening to the Trail Stewards Radio Hour on KZYXNZ with Chad Swimmer and Paul Schulman. Before we get into the bulk of the show, we want to address a couple issues that people have brought up to us. So, one thing that a lot of people keep saying is, is that why are we trying so hard to change Jackson? That Jackson is just an example of really good forestry. And what do
1: you think about that, Paul? Well, it, it would seem like that is the case if you compare uh, what the Jackson uh, Demonstration State Forest looks like from satellite compared to a lot of the private timberlands that surround it. It's clear that there's more trees there. But as far as we can tell, if the cutting had continued through the 2000s, there was, there was about a eight or nine year period where there wasn't any cutting due to Vince Taylor's efforts with the campaign to restore Jackson Forest. And uh, if you were to just project forward, uh, how many trees, what, what was the amount of trees that were being cut prior? Well, during the 90s, that most years it was 30
0: up to 45 million board feet were removed every year. And at the very end of the 90s, that was reducing and entirely because of citizen pressure, the pressure of the original campaign to restore Jackson mm-hmm. that in 2001, there was uh, the first in a series of successful lawsuits that against the environmental impact report that the management plan was running on and the management plan itself, which was outdated. So for nine years, there was no cutting in Jackson and when they did return to cutting, they were down to 15 million board feet a year. So, if you were to project from the level of cutting in the 90s up until the present, if there had been no citizen pressure, there would have been at the minimum 500 million more board feet harvested from this 78 square mile forest. Mm-hmm. And it would look pretty similar to the industrial timberlands nearby if you were to
1: look at the satellite photos. Right. Yeah, it's good to get that perspective. And the other, the other kind of myth uh, that we're often told is that when when the state of California acquired this property in I believe 1947, that it was like a a, a cut over moonscape. But that actually isn't the case. Uh, there was quite a bit of old growth that was there that isn't there anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, they got it. They bought it for a million and a half dollars, and the whole the whole tract. The whole tract. They got it because it was essentially, uh, it was owned by Casper lumber company and they couldn't really harvest that much more valuable timber with the technology of the times. So they were not able to pay their taxes. So they sold it to the state for a small amount of money in the fifties. There wasn't a whole lot of harvesting in the sixties into the seventies. It was pretty much entirely old growth that was harvested as far as we can tell, looking at the numbers, 10 square miles or nine square miles of old growth, it was all single tree selection, but these were thousand year old trees that were being selected. There was also quite a bit of pretty recovered second growth at the time of the purchase that this was not a moonscape by any means. And certain areas were, but if you go out now, certain areas look pretty bad too bear gulch too which was harvested last year does not look great and many many old trees were cut in that timber harvest plan this does not include over two square miles in the last few years of timber sales such as 23 gulch porter south fork matrix and others which were euphemistically called even age management or occasionally uneven aged management but prescriptions such as variable retention group selection, cluster selection, and more that all end up looking on the ground like clear cuts with a few trees sticking out. In light of what we see when we get off the beaten trail, we have to take with a grain of salt when somebody like Derek Gillis, the head of the Board of Forestry for California, saying that we don't take the biggest and the best trees or that we only log with a light touch. It sounds distinctly like greenwashing or propaganda. Now we're going to go to yesterday's Save Our Pomo Homeland rally at Alex Thomas Plaza in Ukiah, one of a series of momentous and inspiring events put on by the Coyote Valley Band of Pomo Tribal Chairman Michael Hunter with the support of the Coalition to Save Jackson. About 200 people were present, first for speakers and pomo dance and music, then to present a stack of over 3,000 signatures in support of tribal co-management to State Senator Mike McGuire, Member Jim Wood, and Congressman Jared Huffman. The Mendocino Trail Stewards Associate Director Genevieve Mullins was there and brings us these sounds and voices. We start with her speaking with Michael Hunter. How
2: did you feel about the rally in Ukiah today?
3: I think the rally in Ukiah was special. I think it's the first time that we had the opportunity to bring our coastal support inland and then see the inland support that we had for our coastal supporters. So it was a good mix. We had some good diversity out there, some cultural diversity was special. We've had some Native American elders that haven't stood together and sang songs together for years, maybe a decade, and to see him on the same stage singing again was a true blessing. And I think that the environment is the one cause, you know. It's our Mother Earth. It's the one that, that we could all agree on that we have to stop hurting for many reasons. Not only just our cultural sacred sites, but just many, many reasons. Like, we can't continue just to cut down our resources and export them for money We have to change our mindset. And I think today is putting this county on notice, putting Senator McGuire, Assemblyman Wood, Congressman Huffman on notice that we are moving forward with or without them. We'd like to have them on our team, but we're moving forward with or without them. So I feel good. I feel empowered. I think our people are speaking loud, excited. And what
2: do you want people to know about the rally in Sacramento on March 25th?
3: I think that's our that's our big stage that's our moment to show how many eyes we have on this issue so we could prove to our state representatives including the california natural resources agency secretary wade crowfoot i think these people want to do the right thing it's just we have to show them that we that doing the right thing is actually in support of them if we could get you know, 500 people there to show that, hey, these 500 people will show up for you. We'll stand with you. We want to show you that it's actually a popular it's actually a popular issue to take on. You know, that's what we're trying to show them. We have to open their eyes. We have to let them see it because I think we are the majority. Now, we have to prove it. We had a good start in Ukiah. Now we have to take that same momentum and take it over to Sacramento to the Capitol on the 25th, 1 p.m.,
0: Coyote Valley Band of Pomo Tribal Chairman Michael Hunter. The date Michael was speaking about is March 25th at 1 p.m., and we'll have more information about that later. Next, Genevieve spoke with Michael Hunter's sister Melinda.
4: Something to believe in, you know. It's just another movement, like, not just for the fun of it, right? It was like, I think the world needs things to believe in. You know, and whenever we can come together for a common goal, the common main part, you know, and it's kind of, that's the hopeful part. That carries over into everything else. Look at there, especially after these few years, nobody together, and all of a sudden everybody can come together and for something good, you know. So you don't remember, but a long time ago, these guys—they just a big movement, you know, years ago. The Redwood Summers and way, I mean, way back when the women's marches, civil rights all stuff movements, you know. All right, yeah. Wow, ah, yeah. so the amazing how many people
2: had the same common goal and know? and what the power yeah. when we come together yeah. I so, mean it's so it's kind of getting goosebumps just thinking about it well, I mean
4: we don't want all this destruction happening stuff but sometimes you need something to bring people together yeah. I mean, and yeah so if you look at it that way I guess you know
2: yeah
4: there you go
5: thank, thank, you. thank you thank you
0: next Genevieve spoke with Edwina Lincoln tribal elder and activist of the Round Valley Pomo.
2: I think it's uh, pretty amazing. You know, I, I believe in um, traditional, spiritually, the connection of Mother Earth and our ancestors and our people and the roots of the plants and the trees and that gives everything life that's why we're here today and we continue to have that life and I think it's the most beautiful thing ever it's not our first battle you know so you know as long as we know in our other battles that we won we're that connection of who we were we're the people of the land, and I was always taught that we don't own the land, but we're the landlords of the land, and it's our responsibility to take care of that, that land. Yeah. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah, thank you. Polly
0: Gervin, appointed tribal representative for the Coyote Valley Band of Pomo to the state of California, had longtime forest and human rights activist.
5: What did you think about today's rally? Well, it was lovely for me. I've been on the front lines for tribal sovereignty and the woods and the forest for about 28 years. So in the crowd were so many friends. And so many, sometimes the unsung heroes are the people who are on the front lines, the people who wake up at 3 to get to the logging, uh, you know, block the logging trucks at 4 in the morning. And I I got a chance to thank each and every one of them. And I just sincerely thank from the bottom of my heart the, the citizenry, that has been so courageous and um, I just really am proud of everybody I'm proud of the tribe I'm proud of the people on the front lines and course, I'm and I'm really phone hopeful phone. that okay. a big parad- a big huge shift in, in consciousness and social justice and environmental consciousness is happening right now. I mean I was with friends who go back to wounded Knee in the American Indian movement I was with friends who I was with in uh, Enchanted Meadow, Albion Nation uprising. I mean, we've been at it, some of us, forever. I mean, for most of our adult lives. And then to see their children and their grandchildren with them gave me so much hope. It filled my heart with joy. Actually, it it filled my heart with gratitude. And I think a movement needs that for each other. Each and every one of us. We all have, we've come at them from every angle. And I just it's like a dream come true it's like a dream come true 30 years of trying to promote tribal sovereignty trying to promote forest protection uh, I'm amazed at what happened here today uh, and it, it is lovely and the people here truly lovely people and united by a bond bond of friendship and courage and um, I think we're gonna we're doing a healing here for each and every one of us and As long as we keep the love for each other and for Mother Earth in our hearts, we will win because we will shine past the timber industry and their destructive tendencies and their just-for-profit worldview. Um, We're shining for justice. We're shining for love. And I think... Mark my words. I said from day one when the tribes of the environmental movement got together, I remember being at a trail stewards meeting. I said, if we can do this blend, if we can merge these powers, we will win. And I truly think we're going to. I truly think we're going to.
0: Next, Genevieve spoke with Ui Wesley, Native Hawaiian, forest and indigenous rights activist, farmer, gardener, and fantastic musician.
2: What did you think about today's rally?
6: wow today's rally was just oh what's the best way to describe it today's rally was like the most beautiful sunset it brought all the colors all together and it's just sat there and presented itself so we could take it in and nourish ourselves with hearing the indigenous people of this land feet touch the ground and make a beautiful harmony and their voices being heard um, are ringing big leaping joys, bellowing I don't know, clouds of joys in my heart that um, it's going to be with me for a long time so I'm I'm honored to be witness of today and I wish more people would have came
2: but next time I hope more come. About next time, mm-hmm. what would you like people to know about Sacramento on the 25th, the rally on the Capitol steps?
6: Mm. I would like folks to know that it is time. It is time for everyone to come and gather. We need to ampl- amplify the voices and the call of not only the people, not only the trees, but of Mama Earth. We all need to come together and amplify it very loudly that she needs us to stand up and speak the truth of what's really happening and what's happening to the land. And we cannot, we're not going to be able to grow food. We're not going to be able to have a land to live and breathe on and have clean water on if we don't wake up and do something now. And, you know, we're already kind of late but if we hurry, maybe we could at least just do something. So I think everybody just needs to show up.
2: Yes.
0: Megan Wolf from Surge, standing up for racial justice. I thought we had a
2: really good turnout, and it was really awesome to have all the, the tribes here. And a lot of people were signing the petition. We got at least 2,000 signatures, I think. I was here running the table for a Surge, which is uh, showing up for racial justice in uh, Mendocino County. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of energy and hope that the politicians hear us and do something. And what do you want people to know about Sacramento on the 25th? That they should all come join us on the Capitol steps, West steps, March 25th, 1 to 4. Come join us. Power in numbers.
5: Good.
0: Youth activist River.
1: So River, how do you feel about saving the forest?
2: Forest trees are for climbing.
7: Not for cutting, right? hmm
5: Absolutely.
7: And how many redwood trees
1: do you want to save?
2: All of them.
1: Yeah.
2: How come? Because them bring air to us. Yeah. They provide the air that our lungs yes. breathe. Okay. Yes. If we didn't have trees, we would be not here. Thank
0: you. <laughs> to Marie Jones.
2: Well, what do you want people to know about what's going on in Jackson? Okay, um, so this is an opportunity for Ukiah to kind of show its support for what we're doing over there in Jackson Demonstration State Forest, which is 5% of Mendocino County. So uh, we just encourage everybody to come uh, on the 25th of, Sacramento. There's um, vans coordinated. You don't even have to drive. It'll be fun. And you can meet with your legislators and ask to help save this forest. You can put your voice to the process instead of sitting back and supporting silently. That's what I like to say. <laughs> right on.
0: Paul Katseff, founder of the Thanksgiving Coffee Company and longtime activist.
2: What do you want people to know about today, about I Jackson want people State to know Forest? That this
5: is
8: a, a, a momentous occasion, bringing together the hippies of the 70s with the Native Americans who have been here for 50 years and longer, but we never got together. And, and there's something about how, how it started. I remember Chad giving me a little call. And um, saying, hey, would you support this? What do you think of this? And he was just the exact right person to bring together the power of the two tribes. And I say tribes because the hippies who came here in the 70s, and I'm one of them, uh, are really a tribe. Uh, And so what I want to actually say is I think... We're going to win this one. And I've been fighting this for 40 years. Two of my property lines are on Jackson State Forest. And we started fighting Georgia Pacific 40 years ago, and then Louisiana Pacific, and then Cal Fire. And now we have a chance to see that forest heal and rest. And I'm just so really excited. I'm going to make myself cry. (laughs)
0: Thank you, Paul, and speaking for myself, Chad Swimmer, I may not have been the perfect person to bring these three tribes, if you include my Jewish tribe. Together, I just happen to be the person who is in the right place at the right time. We will continue with a few other voices of people who weren't identified, but had great things to say.
2: So, how how was your experience at this rally, and what would you like people to know about what happened today?
9: Wow, I was just about moved to tears a few times I thought it would be talking heads today you know which of course I want to be informed and find out how I can best support you know the forest and, and the moratorium on cutting but instead it was homo culture day massive dances and I was my heart is filled really it's it's the revolution to, to band together like this um you know, native and settler people finding our common ground and making friends and knowing what's important and working together. Baby, it's what we've all been waiting for! <laughs> so I'm very happy today. My name, my name is Diane, and I thank you guys for all the work that you do, too, to with Mendocino to 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 Trail Stewards.
2: We appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you for supporting. We, we couldn't do it without everybody, and everybody is a hero in this
7: movement. Finally, Chris Skyhawk.
2: What did you think about today's rally?
7: I thought it was a truly historical event. To me, I never thought that I would live to see such a day as this, where all these tribal people, different bands, different tribes show up, and they're dancing and they're singing right here in Ukiah. And I think there will be a very watershed event in terms of getting co-management on public lands, as well as lands back across Turtle Island, not just Mendocino County. But I, I think what we witnessed not say was a truly historic thing. Uh, and and in terms of how we see the earth and how we these cultures interact with each other i'm I'm super glad that so many people are here it was lovely to see to see first nations people dancing to mostly european american audience and you could just feel so much cultural healing happening as it was going on it was incredible
2: right on and um how do you feel about what's this summer coming ahead
7: well, I just think we need to keep the momentum up. Obviously, we're making some headway with Sacramento, and we need, to do, we need to keep doing that. Keep dancing, keep singing, keep lobbying, keep sending petitions, making phone calls. We need to keep the whole thing up. We have a lot of momentum, and if we keep that momentum going, I think that we'll do well. What's your vision for Jack- for the Jackson State Forest? Oh, give it back. <laughs> give it back. What do you see in five years? Oh, oh look at you. what do I see or what do I hope? <laughs> what are we making happen?
3: <clears throat>
7: well, I, I hope that what I see and what I hope are close to the same thing. What I hope for is that we do get tribal co-management, if not outright land back. And that people everywhere start to see, start to recognize that we have a living relationship with Earth. Whether you're white, whether you're red, whether you're brown, black, green, Purple, whatever. We have a living. We're human beings that have a living relationship with this earth, and that's one of the things that I think is is lovely about everything we're doing. Trail stewards, uh, the poem peoples. We're waking back up to the we are children of this earth. I think we're waking back up.
0: spirit horses you are listening to the trail stewards radio hour on and C with paul shulman and chad swimmer and we want to thank trail stewards associate director genevieve mullins for that reporting from the march 14th save our pomo homeland rally we also would like to let you know about some transportation opportunities to the march 25th sacramento rally paul Tell me about this effort that you and Andy Wellspring have gotten together to have some transportation available to Sacramento for people.
1: Yeah, we're really trying to encourage as many people as possible to join us at this rally on March 25th down in Sacramento. We really want to make a big showing. Michael Hunter, tribal chairman Michael Hunter, has um, reserved the spot on the west steps of the capitol. Uh, And we're going to, there's going to be Pomo dancers and singers, and there's going to be tables and all kinds of things going on there, presentations and speeches. We have uh, reserved vans that are going to be going down there. Some of them will be going down for overnights if that's what people want. And there's going to be vans that are just going down the morning of the rally and coming back that evening. If you just contact us, we can help connect you to the van that's going to work best for you. Yeah, if you want to go to Mendocino Trail Stewards at gmail
0: dot com, send us an email and we can get you on a van. Yeah, and you don't even have to have any money.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's people that are uh, donating extra just to make sure that anybody can go that wants to go. So
0: yeah, and we the trail stewards we're actually you know. Devoting some of our own money to helping people out to get there, and I think we're going to get sack lunches and maybe sack dinners and we 're going to have them in sack, ooh, yeah, so you know, just to think about too, this is Sacramento, and it, this is i don 't want to think like California is the center of the world, but this is the capital of California, and California, as far as I know, is the fifth largest economy in the world, and California has been putting itself out as a leader in climate policy and a leader in conservation policy worldwide for a long time. And we want to make them stand up to their words. We want to put the governor's feet to the fire. Yep. As a little bit of Martha and the Vandellas, some classic Motown for you, because we are hoping to be dancing in the streets in Sacramento on March 25th. Also, want to let you know that we have now a date. Save this date, June 11th, the Casper Forest Fest, second annual. If you were there last time, you know it was a lot of fun. And we are hoping to have some great music and some great speakers and great food and really good camaraderie. So put it on your calendar, June 11th. And you are listening to the Trail Stewards Radio Hour on KZYXNZ. A couple of months back, we had a conversation with two members of the Jackson Advisory Group, Chris Blinko and Charlie Schneider. Chris is an independent registered professional forester who primarily does single tree selection plans for non-industrial timberlands. And Charlie Schneider is the North Coast Coordinator for Trout Unlimited. We're bringing them on the show again this month to talk about the upcoming Jackson Advisory Group meeting. Welcome back, Charlie Schneider and Chris Blanco. Thanks for joining us. How are you guys doing today?
10: Good. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate you it. You bet.
0: Yeah. Thank you. So you guys, you were both the only JAG members who attended any of the POMO gatherings last month. Uh, what convinced you to go and what were your impressions? Can we start with Chris?
10: Yeah. I I made it to this meeting. It was really just a, a function of my schedule, personal schedule and, and it was. This is the one that uh, worked for for me. I definitely had wanted to go and, and set the intention on going, and and I got to go to the final one, which I think was was good. At my my understanding was there was a lot of a lot of folks, uh, good turnout for all of them, and and maybe this one it was slightly off. It was on a Monday morning, and I think it was potentially a chance for some some more one on one dialogue with folks. Um, so I appreciate that. I wanted to go to kind of really round out my uh, experience and uh, exposure to, you know, all the folks uh, that are part of this, uh, you know, conversation about management on Jackson, uh, primarily the, the Native American uh, perspective, and really what tribal co-management looks like. This is a, a term, a concept that is has been discussed a lot lately, and, I don't know if if anyone really knows what that actually looks like, you know, in terms of implementation. Um, I, I don't know of any co-management uh, on on Timberlands. Uh, I'm not aware of any, and I don't think that the, the local tribes have been part of that. So, I'm trying to get a better understanding of of what people's perspectives, certainly from the Native American perspective, what that what that might look like or feel like.
0: Hmm. Charlie, would you like to add to that?
11: Yeah. I mean, I would just echo what Chris said, you know, it's really just, uh, you know, I emailed Chairman Hunter, you know, just asking to chat with him and, and gain his perspective. And he in, invited me to come to one of the meetings. So, you know, both there because he said to come and I wanted to, to talk one-on-one with them, which we were able to do, which was great. And then, yeah, just to hear, to hear that perspective. And I mean, you guys know, I've been reaching out to trail stewards folks and um, you know, other people in sort of the the broader coalition to just uh, just to have those conversations and, uh see if I can better understand what what folks are looking for in you know future management of the forest
0: mm-hmm. well, it seems like a year ago you you had mentioned to me that you were advocating for a person on the jag that um had traditional ecological knowledge
11: yeah we we uh i mean th- there's nothing in the uh the jag charter that would have precluded that, but we did pass a motion to specifically advertise for that position which which we did and, and is now in the JAG charter. And we'll be getting a new uh, traditional economic, ecological knowledge person on the JAG um, starting, I believe, at our next meeting. That's great.
1: Hey, um, what do you guys think about how the JAG can offer something to the tribes? What what do you think that JAG could possibly do that would help that out?
11: Yeah. I mean, ultimately the, the government to government consultations happen you know, above the JAG level, right? It's, you know, we're not involved and it's it's really a separate process between, you know, the state and the tribe. That said, we, we there is a subgroup of the JAG that's been formed to, to review the management plan um, in light of the governor's executive orders on co-management, um, just to in, ensure that the management plan doesn't exclude co-management in any way. Um, and that's hard, you know, that's, it's it's we've been I've been working through it I'm I'm part of that subgroup and it's tough to fully encompass what might be in co-management so we want to make sure the doors open in the management plan for you know whatever comes out of that government to government consultation to be able to be implemented on the forest um, so we, we should have our recommendations for that done at the next JAG meeting in April but i think overall you know we really need to see how that the, the government to government plays out um, see how the tribe's thinking about co-management, which is really important. And then, you know, how we can support
1: that effort. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Chris? Do you have anything to add to that?
10: I personally think there's, you know, an opportunity to work, certainly work together. And, I, you know, really, I, I look forward to that and, um, and and what what this co-management may, may really look like and, and shake out.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: So this is kind of a hard question two days before the the gathering where you were present that, um, there was a, a, Cal Fire walk of the Casper 500 timber harvest plan and the Jackson advisory group chair, George Hollister stated on the record that, um, Cal Fire staff or JDSF doesn't always listen to your recommendations. And following on that, one person at the tribal gathering asked you that if this is true, why don't you all just quit in mass and protest? And- um what do you think about that?
10: Well, we're an advisory body. We are our, our, we are to advise or recommend, make recommend we're, the J, the JAG is intended to to review timber harvest plans to see if they're in conformance with the the management plan. That's that that's what we're tasked with. And so beyond that, you know, what level of input that CAL FIRE takes from JAG is, I think, you know, that, that's up to, uh, you know, the, the individual, uh, maybe the individual or, or whatever the, the, the issue may be. They're not obligated to, to do what the JAG says. I mean, we don't have that power. That's not our, that's not what we're there for. You know, we can make recommendations. We can um, submit feedback they can ask questions of us and we can contribute our, our input, but we're not running, we're not running the show out there. You know, I think Charlie can also, you know, go ahead, Charlie, why don't you add to that?
11: Well, yeah, I guess first outset, that, that's probably not a fair question for Chris. Cause <laughs> cause he, he joined the JAG, you know, in the midst of the controversy. So,
5: mm-hmm.
11: you know, he, he doesn't have history there, right? He's, he's stepping into this now as kind of an outsider coming into to see how he can help with this process. But yeah, it is important to understand that the JAG's an advisory body. So Cal Fire doesn't have to do what we say, but um, I do think they make a good faith effort to follow our recommendations, you know, in their efforts to execute the management plan. there are always competing interests, you know, of any management decisions. So like, for example, on the recreation side, we might really want to see a certain trail adopted as as an official trail but there might be some competing resource reason why that's not a good idea. So say it's like in a spotted owl nesting area or something. So they, they might not be able to do that, even though I I asked them to. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, overall, we, you know, I'm pretty proud of the work we've gotten done, at least on the recreation side over the last couple of years, like getting some new trails built and, you know, some, some past social trails adopted. So I, I do think that that, you know, speaks to some of the successes we've had. And, you know, those things might not have gotten done if we didn't have recreation advisors on the JAG, you know, giving our opinions um, and making recommendations to them. So to speak sp- specifically to why we don't quit, you know, I at this point, I just don't see that as being like an effective use of my skills. And I think it's really important to have people that can come on your show and also talk to CAL FIRE, right, as, as trusted advisors. I mean, I think that role is becoming even more useful now, um, just, just as we, you know, we start to have these what are really difficult conversations, I think for for everyone, yeah, and we're just not going to come to any sort of a solution without, you know, an understanding of everyone's values around how the forest should be managed. Yeah, and I, you know, for me personally, like a lot of my background in education is around this sort of work, so I feel maybe better equipped than most to, you know, to kind of set my own personal values aside and you really try to understand everyone else's and then you know convey those to. You know, interested parties.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it seems like since all this controversy has arisen in the last year and a half, two years, that Kevin Conway, the state forest program manager, at least you've been saying that he is trying to expand the JAG's role in representing the public. Do you feel that this is really a sincere effort?
11: Yeah, I do. I mean, I think it's important to remember why the JAG exists. Right it came It came to be from a similar controversy however many years ago. Right. Um, and so, and it's evolved over the years. So yeah, I think we're in this evolution phase for the JAG too, where, you know, we may, you know, like this tribal sub tribal co-management subgroup is a good example of that where we're being tasked with sort of new, new work. Um, you know, but I, I see a, a citizen advisory body as a really useful tool for, for public land management, you know, and I, I don't see a body like the JAG going away. Um, you know, maybe I'm not always on it. Maybe there's other representatives on there, but it, it does seem to me to be a, a useful tool in, you know, working with a, a state agency on, on land management.
1: Thanks. Yeah. Hey, Charlie, there's a <clears throat> JAG meeting coming up quite soon. Um, and we wanted to, uh, would you be willing to, to tell the people uh, when that is and where it is and and how they could have input? Because, uh, and, and and something I'd like both of you to speak to is, you know, do you feel that it's really worth the public's time to to use the jag as a as a point of entry to give input on the forest?
11: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first thing I would say is right. Like, Cal Fire will never know what people think if we don't tell them. So the jag meetings or the public meetings, you know, it's a it's a good form for that. Mm-hmm. And I think the sooner we can, the sooner Cal Fire is aware of resource issues or you know things that need to get dealt with, uh, the more likely they are to be able to deal with it. So, you know, I think getting out ahead of issues and, you know, Chris is part of a subgroup that's looking at public outreach to, to figure out how uh, the JAG can do a better job with getting the public engaged, you know, early on in the process as, as projects are developed. So to speak to the next JAG meeting, uh, it'll be in April, we don't have a date set yet. We were, uh, doodle poll was sent out a couple of weeks ago to figure out a date. So um, we'll make sure you guys have that information. I think everyone knows by now that the, the the Board of Forestry won't be offering any new timber sales in Jackson this year. So yeah. we won't be approving any THPs in this meeting. And so I think the topics, uh, you know, we're going to introduce our three new JAG members. We're going to talk about a letter um, on post-logging aesthetics. We're going to talk about the Option A and Redtail, um, which is a letter that Epic sent to Cal Fire and something I wanted to bring up and, you know, just have a public discussion around we're going to have reports from the tribal subgroup and that public outreach subgroup that Chris is a part of that I mentioned earlier, and then we usually do a, a field tour, but we're not sure where we're going to go just yet. We just, just haven't got that that far down the path, and and then we'll talk about our annual work plan, which is you know setting meetings for the fall and uh, any other special meetings we might have, which you know as you might imagine could could come up this year.
0: You know, there's been um, some complaints that the JAG meets on Tuesdays and Mm -hmm. for people who want to spend the whole day out in the field with you, is there any chance that they could be moved to Saturdays? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and that's great feedback. Um,
11: you know, I, we need to check with Cal Fire, right? Their, their staff's been putting a lot of weekend days in, but yeah, I think that's definitely something that the JAG could recommend if, if, you know, if folks feel like that's, that's really important. So.
10: Uh, yeah, I just wanted to add that, you know, Charlie laid out the agenda for this next thing um, which is going to be dealing with some of the kind of issues of the day. But a lot of the typical or what had been typical JAG meetings were were really going out and looking at timber harvest plans that were very early, relatively early in the development of the plan. So long before the plan is approved. Um, and that's really the time for public input, both to Cal Fox, et cetera, to the JAG, and, and a chance to get out and, and talk about um these these plans w- well in advance um you know we're i mean a year or two a lot of times before a plan would be improved so.
0: yeah thanks would you guys like to introduce the new jag members
11: yeah sure so uh yes yeah, like i said three new jag members the tek member i mentioned earlier is reno franklin and he's with the kashio band of pomo um i don't know reno so just reading his name off the list and then there's Joanna Nelson, who's from she's a forest ecologist, PhD, forest ecologist from Save the Reddits League. Great, and a uh, licensed timber operator, Al Lawrence. Yeah, it's just nice. To, it's nice to have some more some more folks on the Jag, and I think you know it sounds like all those will be really good additions to you know the folks we have on there now.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you
1: guys so much for joining us. Look yeah.
11: forward to hopefully seeing you guys at the next Jag meeting.
1: Yeah, I think this is super helpful. The the more we can kind of uh, demystify the jag so that people can see how that it could be an avenue that they could give input i think it's really helpful well take care and we'll see you soon
10: very good thank you charlie thank you paul you bet all right thank you guys
1: all right bye
0: Little more of Kevin and the Coconuts with Paul Shulman on Congos. We're going to take a little break from talking about Jackson State Forest and we're going to go up to a recently approved timber harvest plan on MRC property, uh, Russell Brook. This is 120.00218 Mendocino, just approved. Uh, I'm talking to Nick Parrish, retired crew foreman for Schuster's Logging. Nick, you have told me in the past that this Russell Brook means a lot to you. And I'm curious why you say
8: that. Well, it uh, encompasses a timber type that is essentially gone now. Uh, it's, uh, and it's the kind of the last stand of this type of timber left in Mendocino County.
0: And you had worked out there in the 80s?
8: Uh, in, yeah, 80s and 90s, uh, uh, last century. Yeah, and, and uh, early on in the uh, uh, first part of the century, too. You said you felt an obligation to let people know what's going on. Well, to me, it's a golden opportunity if we're able to save this uh, drainage, this uh, piece of the drainage, is to use it as a study for what the timber could, how it could regenerate.
0: It's, there is old growth out there, isn't there?
8: Yes, there is.
0: Real old growth. Yes, there is. Because we're almost out of time, we're going to come back to this in a different show. Disquiet on the Western Front, which will be Thursday the 24th on KZYX at midnight. The theme will be size matters not. Old growth, second growth, and saving biodiversity. We will talk in depth about the Russell Brook Timber Harvest Plan. You've heard it before. But I can't get enough of this song. This is Dozers Come, recorded in the so-called Trinidad Post Office by our next guest, Olive.
12: When the dozers come after agencies approve and the contractors are signed When the company moves in Then we go to the front lines When the dozers come For well, the letters have been read, but the agencies ignore The certifiers are greenwash just an excuse to clear-cut more When the doses come And we haven't many pennies, but we've had within our chest. And if you wanna cut this forest that will be cutting us as well When the dozers come
0: before we sign off for the night, let's go up north to the Mattole to get an update from the Redwood Forest Defense and the Tree Sitters Union Local 707.
12: This is an update from Forest Defense on the Lost Coast and in the Mattole watershed. All winter, we've been active in the woods every day, shutting down logging work by PG&E contractors along Mattole Road in Humboldt Redwood State Park. And a long month ago, that cutting started to slow down, but we know the arborist crews can come back in full force anytime, so we're staying vigilant. At the same time, the neighboring Rainbow Ridge and the headwaters of the Mottol and Bear Rivers are threatened by two new timber harvest plans filed by Humboldt Redwood Company, and both of these plans call for logging within forests with a lot of beautiful residual old growth trees, and both of the plans also call for herbicide use, killing of native hardwoods, which are food species for people and for wildlife so we're really concerned about these plans there was a plethora of public comments in opposition to both of them and um yeah we're real scared that that humboldt redwood company is going to start logging out there this year we're seeing a lot of company traffic um the road building contractors haven't been out yet but um we're getting ready so we're having an action camp that's coming up starting on the 20th and if anyone would like to come up from Mendocino or from farther afield, please contact us. We'd love to connect, build skills here, come to to support here or to to bring back skills to to where you live, you can reach out to us at forestaction at riseup.net.
0: Thank you so much for spending this time with us here on the Trail Stewards Radio Hour.
1: The third Tuesday of every month focusing on forest conservation, forest management, logging, and specifically Jackson State Forests. We hope you've learned as much
0: as we did making this show. To hear past editions, go to www.MendocinoTrailStewards.org the media links page, where you will find all past episodes archived. You can also listen on kzyx.org, archive slash, jukebox, or even better, get the KZYX Public Affairs app wherever you get your podcasts. With this convenient click, you can hear any of the many great shows put on entirely by volunteers on KZYX, listener-supported public radio from Mendocino County. We would like to thank all the people who took part in this show and all the people who are out there trying so hard to change the management of this gem of a forest. In the words of Robin Wall Kimmerer, author of Braiding Sweetgrass, also mother, scientist, decorated professor, practitioner of traditional ecological knowledge, and enrolled member of the Citizen Potawatomi Nation, What we do here matters. Everybody lives downstream. The views and opinions expressed here on the Trail Stewards Radio Hour represent only the hosts and the guests of this show, not the management or staff of KZYX. I'd like to finish with the words of 12-year-old Ravel Gautier to Governor Newsom.
12: You made a promise to the citizens of California, and if you don't fulfill that promise, being perhaps the one person who has the power to, what kind of politician are you?
0: That is the $50 million question. Thank you for spending the hour with us, and we'll see you next month. The Trail Stewards Radio Hour.